Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Who's happy to be in the house of God? Yeah, yeah, it's such a good time to be in His presence. Such an honour. Anytime we get to gather together, read His Word, worship together. In a, in a world right now where so many don't have this luxury, um, it is a privilege to gather together and worship. Hello online, wherever you're watching from as well. It's lovely to have you with us. Wasn't the worship team just incredible in that 11 a.m.? Can we give a massive round of applause to our worship team? Thank you guys so much for leading us into the presence of God. And you know who's a great MC? Pastor Ken Fletcher. He is a great MC. Can we give him a round of applause? There's not really much that Pastor Ken and Pastor Mel can't do. I saw him backstage praying for someone. There was some healing. There's some prophetic words. You're a one-man show, Pastor Ken. You are a one-man show. Hey, uh, it's great to be here with you. Uh, me and my family, they're here at 11 a.m. Uh, we have, my wife's in the parents' room, I think we have a newborn, uh, born in December, so it's about seven weeks, eight weeks old, maybe. It's all a blur right now. Um, and so, uh, yeah, three children, three beautiful children we've been blessed with, been married for about 10 years. Been a part of this house since 2007, Nations Church, and it's just it's just such a privilege to serve here and see what God is doing in the house across all our different campuses. And uh, we, you didn't know from our leadership team, we love you guys. We Thank you so much for everyone who volunteers and serves. And thank you for just rocking up, for turning up, for, for doing what you do for the kingdom of God and for doing it without, without wanting a, a fame or an applause, but just serving God's kingdom faithfully. And so we love you guys and thank you to everyone. We also want to give a big shout out to our Connect Group leaders. If you're a Connect Group leader in the house, can you put your hand up? Any Connect Group leaders around? Come on, put your hand up, be shy. We love you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys pa- help pastor our people, help disciple our people, and we love you. And this season that we're in, we're all about discipleship. We are all in for discipleship. Well, I want to get into the Word of God, uh, and I want to speak to you on this thought, sharing grace, behaviors in believers. Sharing grace, behaviors in believers. Who's a, who's a parent in the room who's got kids at school? Wasn't this week just the best week? Wasn't it the best week? I was telling our 9am service, you know, like, you get to a stage in life where you realise you're either one of two parents. You're either the parent that takes your kid in, walks them, spends time with them, takes a photo with them, puts it on social media, smile, 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 we're a happy family, right? Like, or, or you're the kind of parent that is just like the drop and run. Like, see you later, sucker, like, right? You're the teacher's responsibility now. I think I have graduated into that sphere of parenting, right? It's like uh, we were off uh, in December for our newborn, and uh, I got a taste of what Jess goes through every year, and uh, it was a blessing, uh, but it was also, um, it tested the whole, you know, fruit of the spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, you know, it it tested that, and, uh, but we we love our kids, and uh, I'm sure there's so many parents, you're watching online as well, you are happy that school is back. A special grace for all those teachers right now, uh, all over, having our kids, having my kids, actually. Let's get into Acts 2 and Acts 4. The Word of God is powerful. It is alive, sharper than a two-edged sword, and is active, and it will pierce our hearts and give us truth today. So before we dive in, the context is this. As a church, we are passionate about discipleship. We are passionate about the lost being found, disciples made, nations reached. So we are passionate about the Great Commission. But today, the text would have us look at it through a way where we're looking at the life of believers. You guys follow me? So we're looking at the relationship between believers. That is the context of Acts 2 and Acts 4 after there has been this incredible revival. Let's get into Acts 2 right now. Starting at verse 41. 
Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. That day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking bread, and in prayers. And the fear upon, then the fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. It's a beautiful phrase. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Jump down to Acts chapter 4 sometime on, in verse 32 to 34. Now the multitude of those who believe, that's speaking about what happens in Acts chapter 2, were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that they had any uh, things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. In other words, they were fulfilling the great commission. And it says, great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of things that were sold. Now, before you freak out, if you're new or visiting here, I'm not about to ask for an offering bucket to go around and for you to put your car keys in and ask for the title of your land, right? That's, that's, that's a different kind of church. It's a bit of a weird church, but it's not nation's church, right? But we do want to dive into some of the behaviors of the early church and to, to ask ourselves the question, what prompted them to behave like this? What prompted them to have this rationale or this thinking? So Jesus told the disciples to go wait in an upper room. And he said to them, wait for the upper room. The Holy Spirit will then be poured out upon you guys. And, and upon, after waiting in the upper room, we, the, the writer of the book of Acts, uh, Luke, says after that, Peter was filled with boldness. He goes out, proclaims the gospel. After he proclaims the gospel, thousands get saved. You guys with me still? Thousands of people get saved. They come to Jesus. And then, and then Luke says, and then something crazy happens. They, they, like, they, 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 this story of their behavior kind of happens. And in the midst of him writing the book of Acts, he kind of takes a, a side story or, or a sidebar, so to speak. He's going through about the signs and the wonders and people coming to Christ. And then he says, in the middle of all these things happening, I'm going to just insert Acts 2 in there and I'm going to insert Acts 4 in there. If you read around both passages, it's speaking about what the apostles and the disciples were doing. And it's, it's kind of a side story he gives. Anyone, anyone a side story giver when your friend's speaking to you? Like, hey, listen, like, you know, that, 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 that's a great thought, but let me just stop you really quick. You know, like, have, have you heard that KFC has got a three for six deal kind of going on right now, right? Like, like you know, any, any side story givers. I'm a side story giver all the time. I get distracted really easily. I'm a side story giver. But Luke says that something, something caught my eye amongst the signs and the wonders and the thousands coming to Christ. Something caught my eye. And so if it was significant, in the book of Acts, it ought to be significant to us. Amen? So it's a snapshot of what's happening, what we would call the early church, what they would call the Jesus movement people. Now, the reason we find ourselves in the book of Acts and, and Acts 4, Acts 2, and the reason there are so many people and the context for that is that there were thousands of people in Jerusalem at the time on pilgrim. Now, these people were Jewish people. They were ethnically Jewish, uh, most scholars would believe, but they also had, they came from different towns. So they had different backgrounds, different views, different ways of doing life, different areas they had left behind. And they had come together to this place on pilgrim. And while they were there, the Holy Spirit broke out. And while they were there, thousands of people started to say yes to Jesus and come to Christ. You guys with me? 
So it's in that environment which you find Acts 2, and then it says that there were still some of them that stayed in town in Acts chapter 4. We don't know how many it is, but we know that scholars would suggest that a general timeline of maybe one to two months between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. So we have people staying with people because they got caught up in this crazy revival, and now people are sharing their homes. Like, think about it, they had to stay somewhere, right? So they're staying with the people who were Christians or who were in town, and they're sharing their lives with them. This wasn't like sharing a meal. Like it, was, it, was, it was more than that. Like in today's context, it would be right now, we have church, and it just goes hectic, and the day will come where I'm believing this will happen. And church just goes crazy and it's just double and there's people in the car park and the overflow and they came up to us and they're like, hey, hey, listen, um, guys, listen, we, we're from Brisbane and we, we, we see what God's doing here in WA and in Nations Church and it's incredible. We've got caught up in it and we said yes to Jesus and we just, we want to stick around. So can we, can we stay with you? And I'm like, oh, I guess so. I've got a newborn. But they're like, no, no, hey, hey, by the way, you know, because I've also got my family with me. Like, you know, it's not just me, it's my wife and three kids and, you know, uh, we've, hey, we've also got a newborn. Surprise, right? Like, but that, that, that's the potential context of Acts 4. If we read the scripture, it's people. They, when, we, when, we, when we read scripture, scripture is beautiful. It is alive. And it speaks to us. And these people were sharing more than just a meal. They were sharing their homes. It had to be more than a, than a good sermon. It had to be more than, 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 than hearing a good podcast. It had to be more than a good book. It had to be more than maybe a drive to serve or a drive to connect. It had to be a conviction within each and every one of them that, man, we, we've been changed by Jesus. We've been changed by Christ. Man, this grace that we've received has been absolutely wild, and we're ready to share it with others. What was it? It was sharing grace grace. Now, when I say sharing grace, I'm not talking about what you do before you eat a meal. I mean, that's pretty important. Food's important, people. Food's important, right? As a guy fasting right now, I want to say food is very important. In case you maybe aren't aware or maybe haven't been introduced to this concept of grace, quick snapshot. Grace is this Greek word, kadis. It means the unearned, undeserved, unmerited kindness and favor of God. It is the gift of God to us through his beautiful son, Jesus Christ. It is given to us through Jesus' death and resurrection. It's something that we did not earn. It's something that we did not deserve. It's something that we were not entitled to, but it's something that God gave to us because you and I were not just born into sin. We are sinners. And so we deserve punishment, but God in his infinite mercy graced us with his son. You guys following me? So this is the rationale that they had. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of work so that none of you could boast. Think about being caught up in the life of someone in Acts chapter 2 as we just read and, and thousands come to Christ. They say yes. They gather together in temple courts. They're breaking bread together. They're, they're getting around their communion and fellowship in prayer, sound doctrine, and it keeps going on. They, they, they're doing life together every single day. Acts chapter 4, they're looking for needs. Hey, do, do you have a need? Is, is there a need there? I can, I can give what I have to that need. What, what drives a person to behave like that? What drives a person to behave and say, hey, what I have, what I've worked my whole life for, I see you've got a need and I want to give it to you. They had this understanding of grace. They're like, man, I can't believe this. I was a sinner and I was destined for hell. Come on. 
and, 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 and my sin was so great, that was where I belonged. And I can't get over the fact that God's grace literally, when I was going this way, it turned me this way, and now I have eternal freedom in Jesus Christ. And they're like, man, this is so wild. This is so crazy. I have to bless someone else with this revelation. I, I, I've been given so much. Who can I find to bless someone? It was more than just a feel-good story or a feel-good message or a feel-good sermon. It was a deep conviction of the Acts church. They literally lived out what Paul would say to the church of Galatia in 6.2, carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. But get this, you can only carry someone else's burdens when you understand what Jesus said, where he said, put your burdens on me, for my yoke is easy. My burdens are light. Yeah. Only reason I can carry your burdens is because I know that when I take your burdens, I'm chucking it on Christ. Yeah. It's a beautiful revelation the early church had. Hey, we can help each other out. We can be more than just a gathering that gets together and sings some songs. We can actually share our lives with one another. We can get together in church and we can get together in connect groups and we can actually bless one another. We can actually speak words of life into it. We can actually encourage. This was their revelation. And so with all that being said, the question for today, for this whole message I want to leave you with is this. As followers of Jesus Christ, are we making a commitment to share in a grace-filled way of life with other believers? Now, I'm not asking you to answer that right now, but I am asking you to take this home with you and allow the Holy Spirit to minister and speak to you from this question. As followers of Jesus Christ, are we making a commitment to share in a grace-filled way of life with others, with other believers? And maybe you're like, no, not yet. That's okay. We're all on a journey. There's no judgment and no condemnation in this room right now, but we are on a journey. The early church understood this beautiful truth that when your life has been changed, because of Jesus, then your life is forever changed because of Jesus. When your life has been changed, that single moment of salvation, it's like you, they couldn't turn back from it. They had to do something with, with it. The oneness of the believers is clearly a, a big deal for, for Luke in the book of Acts because he speaks about it and he actually prefaces, you know, the, the very first time we actually hear about signs, wonders in, in the book of Acts in terms of the early church, so not before that, but in the book of Acts for the early church, it's actually in chapter 243 where it speaks about signs and wonders. But you know, the thing that precedes this Remember, the Bible is very intentional. There is not a wasted word. There's not like an accidental paragraph or an, I think, I think that scripture, that, that'll be good here. Side, sidebar, side story. Do Bible college. If you're thinking about it, it'll bless your life and it'll teach you about the sovereignty of the word of God. Yeah. Big massive nations, nations college plug right there. But um, as, we, as we understand it, Luke says something very significant. He says, before that, before we speak about the signs and the wonders, let's, let's speak about the gathering and the unity together of, of the saints and believers. I think that's because Luke's being super intentional. And he knows that in, in a world sometimes where we, 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 we want the spectacular, he's saying, when you speak about the story of Pentecost, be sure to speak about one of the most significant miracles, which was the unity of believers. Be sure to speak about which one of the most significant miracles, which was actually an understanding of the grace that they had been given and how much they wanted to share it with other people. 
I understand that right now, even as we're speaking about the behavior of believers, the temptation for all of us in this room is to kind of, you know, kind of shift away from grace. That's why I had to include grace in this story when we speak about behaviors, because it can be easy to kind of drift off to a, to a lesser degree and, and start to think, oh, I've got to work for something. I've got to have a, like a, a works-based theology, but that could not be further from the truth. We need to understand first and foremost, when we speak about the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit was the instigator. The Holy Spirit was the igniter of revival. The Holy Spirit sparks a chain. When you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit sparks something inside of you. And then from that point on, your behaviors start to change. The Holy Spirit was the clear igniter of revival, but the behaviors of the early church helped see revival sustained. It wasn't like, you know, exclusive, but it was the help of the Holy Spirit, the igniting of the Holy Spirit, and then the behaviors of the church to see revival and people get saved. Is this all right with you guys? And I love Acts 2 because it says, you know, people got saved, then they got together, united around these things, then there were signs and wonders, then they still behaved in oneness, and they still gathered in the temple courts, and they, and it's like, it didn't stop and say, oh, and by the way, then they went solo. You know, like they, some guy prayed for someone and he saw signs and wonders and he thought, oh man, this is really cool. I'm going to go itinerant with this. No, no, no. Like, the, the genius of the Bible is beautiful. In fact, straight away, he's like, as they did these things, as they saw signs and wonders and things happening, so after that, they came back together. And like, man, wasn't that incredible? Let's do it again. And they saw God moving the community. Oh, wasn't that incredible? Let's do it again. They, were, they kept coming back to one another. There was a sense of oneness in Christ. Oneness in Christ. Start of the year, PK spoke some incredible messages on spiritual maturity. If you missed them, please, please, please do yourself a favor and grab them. When we read Acts 2 and Acts 4, the language all throughout is permeated with the language of behavior. They came together. They broke bread with one another. They asked for the need. They saw where there was need. It's, it, it's a language of behavior. And, and I want to say this, it, it's spiritual maturity to have our, our beliefs unite us. And I think PK spoke on this last year as well. It's spiritual immaturity to have our beliefs unite us, but our behaviors divide us. It is total spiritual immaturity. You would, you would think, like if I was like, hey man, come to this church where, where they believe in Jesus, but they don't act like Jesus. You'd be like, mm, that's not for me. Come on, we'd all be like, well, I, don't know. I mean, that's, I mean the, no, no, you should come. The worship's really good. Oh, cool. But they don't act like Jesus? No, nah, no, nah, but the worship's really cool. You wouldn't come. But this is the message that, that Luke was trying to convey through the book of Acts, that, that there's something about them that looked, it didn't make sense. It was counterculture at the time. And the template given to us is this, that when the revival broke out in the Acts church, it was Holy Spirit led and inspired. And it says they gathered around these four things, sound doctrine, fellowship, communion, prayer, sound doctrine, fellowship, communion, prayer. I don't have time to go into all, every single one of them. I absolutely love prayer. Charles Spurgeon once said, what's, someone asked him what's more important, prayer or the Word of God. And he laughed at them and said, what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? Like that, that's super important. So we don't have time to go into that or communion right now. But I want to I just dive down on those two topics, sound doctrine and fellowship. Sound doctrine and fellowship. Here's what you know according to the life of Jesus. No one else, Jesus. Doctrine and love go hand in hand. It's not doctrine or love, it is doctrine and love. 
Doctrine is the Greek word didache, which means teaching or instruction. It's heard about 30 times throughout the New Testament. See, Jesus loved people, so he taught doctrine. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. I don't know about you, no one comes to the Father but except through me. That sounds like a pretty exclusive statement. Come on. Jesus was giving doctrine on how to get to his Father. But the Word of God also says this in 1 John 4, 7, 8. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So Jesus was always displaying love and sound doctrine. I'm not sure if you remember the story in John chapter 8 of the the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. She's brought to Jesus with some Pharisees, religious rulers. They're like, you know the law of Moses. You say you are the law itself and you know she should be stoned. And Jesus is like, yep, I know the law. Don't question me. Like, I know who I am. And, And he says, hey, listen, you guys can do it. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. One by one, they walk away. Jesus is still just chilling out on the ground doing whatever he's doing. I don't know. And and he stands up and and looks at this woman and and she's like, he's like, what's going on? She's like, well, I I don't know. Does no one condemn you? No. Okay, well, you're you're, you're kind of free to go. But, But by the way, but by the way, before you go, go and sin no more. Out of a genuine love and compassion, we then got the doctrine of repentance. Out of a genuine love and compassion, we got the doctrine of forgiveness. We got the doctrine of redemption. We got the doctrine of sanctification. Do you see how all these things are tied up in Jesus? Because he is truth, but he is firstly love. You can't embrace sound doctrine without embracing the love of the Father. And I want to say this to every single person in the room. If you're in this place, and maybe you're from a a different background, a different faith background, another church background, and maybe you're in this place and you're you're in here because it just is a safe place for you. And maybe you've been burnt by, by things under the, guard, the, the, the name of sound doctrine. I want to say I'm so sorry if it's been presented to you without the love of the Father. I'm so sorry for that. And at Nations Church, we strive to give people sound doctrine, but with the love of the Father. You can't have sound doctrine without the love of the Father. Why is that so important, Gareth? Because sound doctrine is the Word of God. Sound doctrine is the Word of God. The early church had no idea how to live. Where was the template for this? If you just became a Christian, thousands got saved. Where is the template? Jesus, where are you? He's gone. He's ascended to be with his father. There was no template. So it says they listened to the apostles' doctrine, and another study of that translation would be sound doctrine. And so the apostles are like, hey, this is how you live, because some of them had a Jewish background, and they had studied the Torah, and they knew, and some of them had been with Jesus, so they started to recite stories, and they started to know how to live, they started to know how to behave, and you know, when we talk about church, and we speak about connect groups, meeting in the temple, meeting in the home, it's more than just a social gathering. Like there is a social component to what we do, but it ought to matter to you that we get stuck into the Word of God on a Sunday. It ought to matter to you that connect groups get stuck in the Word of God, that Pastor Ken and Chrissy get on a connect video and say, hey, today we're getting into the Word of God. What's your thoughts on the Word of God? In one of our connect groups just gone on Friday, spoke about Matthew 6, and we, we, we just were discussing it, and it was a great conversation, and we realized that we were in our feeble attempts, we were actually kind of doing what Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything will be added to you, because you know when, you, when you're seeking first the kingdom of God, it's a measure of where you spend your time and where you spend your money. We could be doing anything instead of connect. I could be at a movies. I could be, you know, doing stuff around the house. <laughs> just jokes. I don't do stuff. I'm not handy. I'm not handy. That was a joke. Rub that from online. Um, my wife will see it. Um, 
You know, they could be doing anything. Like, like, we could be at a footy game. We could be at a basketball game. You know, the Scorchers are playing. Like, like, you know, we could have been anywhere, but we were sitting around the Word of God. Why? Because there's something beautiful about that. Well, I don't, listen, if you're in a connect group or you come to church, that's between you and God. Like, it's, it, I still sleep easy at night. But what I want you to know is if you want to know how to behave, it's in the Word of God. If you want to know how to live this life, it's in the Word of God. It's like, man, the, 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 the trouble sometimes we have is I'm just trying to be like, hey, listen, let's do a surf push. Let's do a connect plug. I don't do it because it's a feel-good moment for me. No, no, no. I do it because it's in the Word of God. But as a church, if we understood the Word of God and took hold of the Word of God, these would be just a natural outflowing of our lives. Guys, I get it. You want us to, to be in church and you want us to be in connect. No, no, no. I want you to be in the presence of truth. I want you to be in the presence of truth. This is what the gospel tells us, that Jesus Christ is truth. Galatians 2 verse 5. But we do not yield in subjection to them for even an hour so that the truth of the gospel would remain in you. Ephesians 1.13, In him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him and with the Holy Spirit of promise. Colossians 1.5, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you have previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. Peace without truth is false peace. Unity without truth is false unity. Love without truth is false love. Humility without truth is false humility. Are you seeing where we're going with this? Oh, guys, yeah, yeah, I, I love this. I get it. Like, I'm, 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 I'm on board, man. I love the Word of God. I spend time with the Word of God. I'm, I'm, I'm a, like, I, I, I eat this stuff, man. I'm in there every single day. I can't get enough of this. But, you know, it's kind of a solo thing for me. It's my own solo journey. Well, it, it's beautiful how the Bible kind of is, is intentionally written. And it's like Luke kind of knows that people might have that train of thought when they're talking about the Acts Church. And so straight away, straight away, after speaking about sound doctrine, he speaks about fellowship straight away. Like there's, there's no missed words in the Word of God. Why? Why does he say that? Well, that word fellowship is this Greek word koinonia, and it can be defined as this, holding something in common to be a companion or a partner shared by all or several. There is no isolation in that term. There is no individuality in that term. There is no Lone Ranger conversations in that term. Holding something in common to be a companion or a partner. You cannot be a companion by yourself. You be a companion because there's someone else you're a companion to. You're a partner to someone, shared by all, shared by several. Clearly, this was a big deal for the book of Acts. It's spoken about in fellowship in Acts 2, but also in Acts 4.32, where it says they had one thing in common. That, that phrase common is also this word koinonia. It was different backgrounds, different people, people who had slaves, people who didn't have slaves, believers for multiple generations, first-time believers, people who used to kill people for believing in Jesus, people who had family members who died because they believed in Jesus. This was a melting pot of social views. Like it was emotional. There would have been sparks flying. Spare a thought for the Jewish people in town at the time. Spare a thought for them. This is our God. We've been believing for so long. Your people weren't in slavery in Egypt. Your people didn't run through and, be, and get burnt up through the promised land. We've had silent years. We've been waiting for the Messiah. And you just made a decision last week. These are all rightful conversations they could have, right? They could have these thoughts, and they could have had a list. Listen, listen, all right, well, listen, we'll accept you, but, you know, in fact, Paul actually wrote a whole 
bunch of books against this, but he was like, could be like, listen, you gotta, you know, you gotta learn the Torah and you gotta go find a rabbi to come under and you know, you gotta get circumcised and you gotta, you know, do this and do that. They could have given a list, but here's the thing, when that word koinonia is, is used in the book of Acts, it's beautiful because it's less of a list of things to do and it's more of a disposition of open-handedness to the grace of God and to the needs of others. It's less of a list of things to do and it's more of a disposition of open-handedness to the grace of God and to the needs of others. In other words, it's about receiving the grace of God and then sharing the grace of God. It's more than sharing a meal, it's sharing our lives. And to be awake to the needs of others, you actually have to be around others. So the early church, for the Acts church to be awake to the needs of people in their community, they actually had to be around the needs of their community. Is this all right for you guys? You know, when we gather together, there's a lot of like misconceptions on why we gather and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, gather, you know, gather since COVID, if we could kind of decrease the gatherings and all that. But the, the, the Acts church actually have a very high bar for their gathering. As a Western church, we actually have a very low bar. Like, like, it, it, like, I can understand how some people would read the book of Acts and be quite triggered by Acts 2.46. Like, you could get like a nervous twitch in your neck if you're like, man, like, you know, I'm just, I'm not a family guy. It says like daily. Like daily. Like, they, they, they left their life and now daily they're meeting in homes and they're meeting in temple courts and they're, they're gathering around and they're in prayer and like, oh man, guys, I don't know, like once a month prayer meeting. So it's like, they were always doing it. Like the, the, the bar, and, and the bar was high, and it wasn't high because they needed to work, work to get it. It was high and only achievable because of the grace of God. Yeah. They, under, they had such a revelation for it. They're like, man, I've been so changed. Why wouldn't I want to worship with my whole life? Why wouldn't I want to worship with everything that I have and bless others around me? And the gathering isn't like for us to be like, God's waiting for us in worship. And he's like, hey, if you could, if you could sing Good, Good Father like a seventh time, because I'm, I'm kind of good. But I need, you know, I need, you know, Ken Fletcher's a bit of a one-man band. He does everything. And if you could tell me one more time, then I would be so reassured that I really am a good, good father. That is not the God that we serve, right? The gathering of believers, big and small, is to grow you. It's to grow me. It's to grow us individually, and it's to grow us collectively as the band joins me. In December uh, last year, we had our... Beautiful newborn baby, Naraya, and um, she came the first week of December. And we, our connect group, now the beautiful Alec and Kate Mather, who some of you may know, uh, we've handed our connect group onto them, and they are just tremendous connect group leaders. And we love them so much. And so now we, we sit under their leadership in connect group, and they put together this meal train for us. And, you know, we kind of had no idea. It's going to take a couple of days. It just got massive and you know people in our connect started just to pitch in multiple meals and it went to our church and and for the whole month of December pretty much uh we we had like meals like every day like every single day and and my my phone was blowing up because I was receiving like words of encouragement and people were saying hey I just want to let you know you know this morning in my prayer time I've been praying for you and your family and people reaching out hey if if your kids need to be dropped off at school please just just let us hey if you need a play date please just drop them off at the park let us know like and, and people were just and I was almost overwhelmed. And I was like, God, how do, I, how do I convey this feeling that I'm feeling right now to our church? And that's what kind of prompted me to dive into the book of Acts because I think that should be Christian living, shouldn't it? 
Like, it shouldn't just be like, oh, well, you know, like, Gaz is a pastor. No, no, no. It's because it's I was in a group of believers that were like, oh, man, maybe the word's true. Maybe it is better to give than to receive. Maybe, maybe when the word of God speaks about the fact that I can bear one another's burdens and that Christ bears all burdens, maybe that is actually true for my life. Maybe we can bless someone. Maybe we can share more than just a meal. Maybe we can share our lives. And so what happened, people were dropping off meals. But they said, hey, before we can leave, can we quickly pray for you? I was like, yeah, thank you. Hey, if you need anything, there was just, there was this overwhelming sense of God's goodness and kindness and we received it. And I, le- I just left that period in that window thinking, man, this is, this is what Christianity should be about. There should be no one with need in our church. Because as a church family, when we're in our connect groups, we should identify the need and we should give outside of ourselves to others. As I finish up, 170 times we think roughly uh, there are matches to this term called grace throughout the whole, whole Bible. The whole Bible, start to finish. Do you want to know how many times the term great grace is used? It is just once. In the whole Bible, start to finish, once. And it's used in Acts chapter 4. Where Luke's flabbergasted at what he sees. He says, I don't know what to say. It's like great grace came upon them. He's like, I know what grace is. I've received it. But what I'm witnessing right now, it's It's different. It's like great grace is upon them. It's like, it's like they have an understanding of it and now they're putting it into action. And it, it just, it goes above and beyond everything that I've seen before and everything I know. And I, the only way I can put it is that great grace was upon them. My prayer for this year, for Nations Church, as we step into spiritual maturity day after day after day, is that it would be said of our church, that is a church of great grace. Great grace is upon Nations Church. Why do we do connect groups? Why do we do church gatherings? We, we do it because we're in this together. Because we need each other. Because we want to be reflectors of great grace in our lives. What a beautiful thing to have it said of Nations Church. Great grace was upon them. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.